Hi, I'm Ushin Lunny, welcoming you to the Siemens Advanta podcast, where we invite you to unlock the full potential of IoT. Every episode, we chat with some world-leading experts who can help to make the vision of an optimistic IoT-powered future a reality. And today, you are in for a treat as we get a timely lowdown on how business and technology are transforming from complicated to complex what it all means, what you need to know, and how you can stay ahead. Joining me to explore how digitization is transforming our lives and our world, I'm honored to welcome two transformational leaders to the podcast. Amarik Sarazin is the CEO of Siemens Advanta and joins us for a third time on the podcast. Welcome back, Amarik. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming back to us again. That's brilliant. And we are delighted to be joined by Beverly Ryder, who is the Chief Commercial Officer and Head of Solutions and Delivery, Tech and Digital, and a Company Executive Director at Neom. Welcome, Beverly. Hi, thank you for having me. Great to have you here, Beverly. Thank you for joining us. Um, okay, let's start with the big picture. Now, Amrik, we're hearing a lot at the moment about a collective transformation from a world that is complicated to a world that is complex. What does this actually mean? And why is it important for our listeners to grasp exactly what is happening? Yeah, I mean, this is actually a very interesting topic because it touches a lot of part of our life. Yeah, When, when we get a complicated system, it's a system basically that can be solved by equation. It's something that is difficult, that requires a lot of thinking power, but it's something also that has some type of pattern that you can define and then you can solve the equation. So let me give you maybe two quick examples. Um, I mean, flying a commercial plane is very complicated, but we manage to do it and to be very safe because we can solve those equations. Yeah. Uh, on a more maybe industrial way, uh, implementing the Six Sigma program can be very complicated for a big plan. Yeah. At the end, you still have a fraction of percentage that you manage to actually measure and you have to have an output. Yeah? As, as society has shifted and there is like more computing power, there is much a, a bigger and larger interaction of people and system and everything. We arrive to a much more complex system. And the complex system, it's something, and this is hard to say, but a complex system is basically a system you cannot solve. And you cannot solve to the end. You cannot plan it. You cannot plan to solve it. Yeah. And this comes from three different things that I'm going to very just enumerate for now. And then I'm sure we'll dive into it. Yeah. It has multiplicity. So that means there's a lot of play, a lot of connection in that complex system uh, uh, in, in number. Yeah. There's this interdependence. It is very numerous and they're all depending on each other. So suddenly the number of interaction is completely exponential. Yeah. And finally, there's a, a wide diversity. So which is not the same type of thing that are connected to each other, but very different things that are connected to each other. When you put all this together, you arrive to a system that is a reality of life and actually impossible to predict and impossible to solve for the future. Wow. Okay. We live in an exponential world. Uh, we're living exponential lives. I love it. That's, uh, that sounds like a, a big opportunity and a big challenge as well. Uh, Beverly, coming over to yourself, what does this transformation from complicated to complex mean to you? When I listen to Amrick talk, I think about how difficult it is for our brains to wrap around those concepts, right? Even multiplicity and the interdependency of multiplicity 
it not only is it exponential, but it's nothing we've experienced before, right? People and humans like predictability, they like consistency, they like patterns, they like they like to be able to plan, right? We're planners by nature and problem solvers. So you put us in a system of systems where none of those things are possible. It puts us into other dimensions of thought and behaviors, and we can't plan for those or even know how to deal with them yet. So I just think about what does that do to the human dichotomy? How do we move from there before I even get to, you know, what are we doing in business and how is it taking us into things like the metaverse or into cryptocurrencies or the things that we probably came to talk about today? To me, it's a human problem, but it's also a human opportunity. Like what comes next? And this, by the way, let me add something because I, I like a lot the angle that Beverly took on people. Yeah. It's a huge change in the way we think because suddenly you need to tell yourself that you will not be successful in solving that system, yeah? That you will need others, that you will need maybe a different timing. And this is a completely different way, even for us, to actually see a system, to see the life we're living in. And as Beverly said, I mean, our brain are not made for that, at least not today, yeah? And so this is a huge challenge for humanity. Well, I know my brain's not. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think you're amongst friends here, Beverly. I, I, can, I can identify heavily with that last statement. My brain was beginning to just ping there like, listen, don't make me go there. I'm so happy that you're here to talk about it and help my brain and the listeners' brains get through this. This is absolutely fascinating. Uh, so it really does seem like this is a very big deal. There are tectonic plates shifting at the moment uh, in the world of technology and business. And as you say, it all comes back to people. So I'd love to hear from both of you about the kind of challenges we face in the new world and, you know, also very importantly, what we can do about them. And um, we'll start with yourself, Amrik. Yes. I mean, because it's complex, there's not a solution we can define, by the way. So mm. by definition of a complex world, a complex system. However, yeah. this is very important. I think we touched on it a little slightly already, and this is very nice. To me, there's three ways to look at it and we can dive into it. Number one is how do you link physical and digital world, because by doing that, you actually allow yourself to reproduce digitally a lot of things that can be done and understood in the real world, yeah? And you can go to a lot of iteration much faster, yeah? And so you actually can solve this smaller problem much faster. So this is one thing in technology, and I'm, I'm sure we'll come back uh, to that with the metaverse, with digital twins, it's all these things that link those two worlds together, yeah? Number two is people, we just talked about it, I think the behavior of people future behavior of people is something we deal with it. So we need to train ourselves to feel comfortable in that what is perceived complete chaos, really. Yeah? Uh, and then and I think the third thing is this is different methodology. When you had a complex project uh, and complex system, you could plan the solution. You even could plan your reasoning that you know you will do the solution. Yeah. I mean, we sent someone to the moon. That was a complicated project, you know. And we did it and we planned it step by step to there. Yeah? When you get to a complex project, you know that is not possible. And this is where the agile mythology comes in. Yeah, This is where you need to come and take a very small step, solve a short problem and then stop and look at as the world change is that complex problem has shifted. And then you pick the next two weeks and you solve those next two weeks and then you stop again. Yeah, And this is a change of methodology to kind of try to solve and evolve in this complexity. Fantastic. Solve and evolve. Use iterative design processes, music to my ears. Beverly, what say you? What's your take on this area? 
So I'm going to talk about all three things as well, because I was thinking of them similarly, but I'm going to start backwards from where Emmerich ended. You know, the first thing that it reminds me of is anybody that's seen the movie Apollo 13. They were basically in space, stuck there, and had to take what they had and invent something new and do it in not just an iterative process, but a way that there was an impossibleness to them coming out alive. And by doing things differently, by thinking things differently, by working upside down, literally, they were able to come up with a solution, but they had to use all their resources. It wasn't just human ingenuity. It wasn't the people in space and the people on earth. It was also the computers that were helping them at all times, right? And so today there's this dichotomy between AI and machine learning, as well as the human experience and the agile groups of people versus the agile technologies versus machine learning, right? And so if we combine the three of them, there's always going to be a solution. It's more people's comfort with being able to use all three together to develop the solution. It's going to take all three because there's a human element to all of it. And one thing that machine learning can do is as fast as they can develop and think of algorithms and solutions, they can't change as fast as the human experience does. So there's always going to be a human element and people sometimes forget that. The second thing is when you're looking at those behavioral issues, you know, we have to learn from the people that are coming after us. And I see it every day with the next generations is that they're so much more comfortable, right? The three-year-olds know how to use an iPhone where my grandma doesn't, right? So if you look at the 90 versus the three, right, there's a technology comfort and every generation has more and more. They're also so much more comfortable with the link between the physical and the virtual. To them, there is no difference. Where to me, there's a complete difference. And my grandma doesn't even get the virtual. When I talk about it, she's like, you mean like my phone, right? <laughs> so to her, the cloud is the phone and that's it. And then when you think, I want to just give an example, because I think in the last part is just the digital to physical world, it's becoming closer and closer every single day. And one of the projects that I'm working on, I think it points it out. There used to be digital twin, and that's what everybody would talk about. And it was this virtual computer modeling of a physical asset. And then there was this thing called next closest neighbor, which was, okay, it's not the exact twin, but it's something similar in a similar geography so we can predict the behavior of the physical. We now use that to do all sorts of scoping of any physical asset anywhere in the world, whether we've seen it before or not. And we can actually use synthetic data rather than real data to do that digital twinning. It then goes one step further where we're talking about a digital modeling of an entire region. And that allows you to see the interaction between the human and the physical elements. And then it goes into the metaverse where you can actually build them simultaneously and then live inside of both and watch them grow together. So I just think that that's the evolution. And then you can also see that exponentiality and multiplicity that Amrick was talking about earlier, because eventually your brain can't keep up with that change. Amazing. My goodness. That's painting a very uh, fascinating, exciting, complex picture. You know, it seems like Exactly as you're both talking about, and as you just said there, Beverly, this digital world is overlapping with the physical. They're getting closer and closer. And, um, you know, there were a lot of adverts for cryptocurrencies, which I find to be both complicated and complex, if that's possible. Um, what kind of impact, Beverly, staying with yourself, do you think this shift in technology could have on the way that we think about currency, in particular, things like digital assets and investments? Because it's sort of, it seems to have exploded in the past 12 months. What, what do you think we need to be aware of? Yeah, so I think we need to be aware of the fact that even the experts are not fully experts. 
that it changes on a moment's notice and it's hard to understand. So those of us that are in that world and may understand, okay, this is what crypto is, or even invest in crypto, doesn't mean that the next day there isn't another element that's underlying that that changes. So one of the things that concerns me personally is that cryptocurrency is based on blockchain. And blockchain is this inability to crack the code, basically, if I was putting it into terms that my first graders right could understand. But what happens if some supercomputer comes along and in two years, now they can crack the code? Now, that's an issue for all of us that are bought into cryptocurrency. So what's the next step? And this goes back to how do we create those algorithms? How do we create those new process of processes that are protecting from that ever advancing and quickly advancing change in technology while we're basing like an entire structure of finance on top of that platform? And I know Amrik has some opinions about this too. As you were talking, I was saying this is such a good example of complicated and complex. As what do we, even as humanity, want to give to complex? Because cryptocurrency is clearly exactly what you said. It's very complex, right? I mean, yes, it's code and equation that you solve in order to add a block to the chain, yeah? Uh, but this is, as you said, the uncertainty and the exponential is there, yeah? Currency is not really something that anybody wanted to be not predictable. By definition, if you would put all of your money somewhere, you want it to be pretty predictable to understand what you will actually have in 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is a very, I think this is a very great uh, example of limitation of where do we accept easily that some topics shift to complex And where, you know, a larger part of the society will have either taken much longer or actually refuse to have part of a life shifting to that complex versus something that, you know, you need very smart brain, big computer, but, you know, you will be able to solve it. Yeah. So something that, that I was just thinking about when he was talking is I look at cryptocurrency personally, and this is not me foreshadowing any market. I just look at it as an investment opportunity where I could lose or I could gain. I look at the money in the bank as something that I can go there and it's always going to be there and it may not grow at all, but it's going to be there when I go the next day. And so when there's a $17,000 decrease uh, over shares over a 30-day period, you have to think, is that really a stable investment or is that a speculative investment? Indeed. Well said. I would agree with you very strongly. So there's so many different aspects to consider in this new complex world. So not only the technology, but we still live in a competitive world. But, you know, is this complexity more than one department or even more than one company can handle? How do we deal with this paradox of competitiveness and maybe the need to reach outside of our competitive silos? What say you, Beverly? Well, I know that Amory's going to have a big opinion on this. So, yes. I actually think that it creates an interdependency and a matrix, not just an organization, but a matrix world where we're all so interdependent upon one another. And there's so much overlap and interconnection that the ecosystem becomes more and more important every single day, right? Ecosystem development, the partnerships, and quite frankly, the relationships, which bring me back to the human side of it again, right? I'm all looking at the human side, but those relationships are really what's going to hold it all together. They're the glue behind all the technology, behind the complexity. Yeah, I mean, I, I, completely, I completely agree. I think the big ecosystem world needs to be said almost like a bomb, you know, because, you know, it's used everywhere now, obviously. But when you talk about a complex system, 
again, by definition, not one party have the solution to the to the entire problem. Yeah. So by default, and you must work as an ecosystem, first of all, in order to say, you know, I'm going to need this piece and this piece in order to solve my piece, but someone else will need my piece to solve their piece. And when you're talking about the competitiveness and the competitive landscape, this is actually where I don't believe we have yet figured out well this, this kind of co-petition topic. You know, we talk a lot about it. I don't think this is clearly yet understood and solved. We see that at work, by the way. Huh? When we hear and we actually solve a problem for a client, we know we will not be able to solve it by ourselves. So even when you come and we come to you know, a bid, a classic bid, we actually look in the ecosystem, what would be the best solution? What is the best composition of people, of companies, of industry that can bring together the best solution? Yeah. And so this is very interesting because you get together and then in the next bit, sometime you again someone that you work with on something completely different. Yeah? And this is very interesting right now to see how everybody understands that ecosystem is mandatory. Everybody understands that if you want to be successful in the ecosystem, you need to give more than you receive for the ecosystem. This is crystal clear. The question is, how do you do that? And how do you do that again and again? And how do you do that in a sustainable manner? And this is something that actually has a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of way to go. And once again, I mean, this, this session, this postcard, by the way, it's a little bit brainy, I have to say, because you think about all these <laughs> concepts that nobody has solved, really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But this is a fact that at least I think we put a name on it. At least we put word on it. So it's recognized. And now there is a need to actually really take it and execute it and live it that I believe actually will come more and more in the year to come. I actually think that whoever solves this first will be the winner in the marketplace. And I don't mean the small winner, like the big winner, right? It's, it was similar to me. You know, we broke up all the baby bills in the United States and then they kind of all started to consolidate again. It's similar to me like that. There's right now there's silos. There's scarcity within even our own companies. There's processes that get in the way of agility. And then there's a lack of understanding of the value creation of working together versus working separate. Everybody wants to do this big land grab for all of it. And they don't realize that only together can we actually make it successful. I believe that whoever's at the very top, when they decide this, right, and they actually start to work together, the people that do that and create the first true ecosystem will be the winners. And I don't mean winners like in a, just a monetary way, but I think just for what's next. Absolutely. The paradox of cooperation, where cooperation is actually a huge competitive advantage. That's super interesting. And, uh, you know, as you were saying there, there's so much food for thought in this conversation, uh, so much more to discuss. But uh, we like to keep things concise for our listeners. They're C-suite, they're very busy, and we like to get a good download from our VIP guests like yourselves. Mm -hmm. So I am going to ask each of you for your key takeaway or recommendation or whatever you want to share based on the topic. So if there's one thing our listeners need to know about, what should it be? And we'll start with yourself, Amrik. I would say the world is shifting to a much more complex setup. And it is possible to deal with that complexity, but by using a new way of thinking and using new tools and using new collaboration models. Yeah, well said. Well said. Fantastic advice there. And Beverly, what say you? And I would say that in the middle of moving to the metaverse and NFTs and cryptocurrency, don't forget the human elements, that every piece and every place we look, 
humans are still the inter-exchange between the technology, the virtual, and the physical. We have to remember that we're part of it, and we have to celebrate the humanness of it. Fantastic. Well, you've both certainly transformed the way I think about these mm-hmm. issues and how much I understand them. So thank you so much for that. I expect a lot of our listeners feel the same way. So thank you so much to two brilliant guests for making complexity a bit simpler and much cooler. Thank you to Amrik Sarazin. Thank you very much. And thank you to Beverly Ryder. You're very welcome. Listeners, thank you for joining us for this fascinating discussion. If you enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to tell your friends and share with your colleagues. And feel free to subscribe to the Siemens Advanta podcast wherever you get your favourite podcasts. See you next time.